All right, let's uh, look at uh, Colossians uh, chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 1 on down through verse 6. And we're actually going to look at uh, verse 1 a little bit today before we jump into uh, the other parts of of this passage that we're looking at this morning. Just kind of, I have some things lingering from last week's notes that I didn't get to because the bell got me. And so I just want to share those thoughts with you before we move on to this week's lesson. But masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer, watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Father, we do thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the Sunday school hour, and we do ask for your blessing uh, on uh, the teaching of the Word of God this morning, that you would just uh, be uh, glorified in it, Lord, that you'd be uplifted, and Lord, that you'd be preeminent in it. And we pray that you would just do a work in each and every heart. And Father, we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we are, Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. And so last week, we focused primarily on the employee aspect of it um, and how employees ought to work according to God's plan. And we looked at a number of things there. And so, uh, but what I did not get to is God's plan for employers. And I know many of you might not necessarily be the, the owner of a company or uh, the employer, I guess, uh, specifically, but many of us often supervise or lead or, or manage other people within their organizations. And so uh, I think it could uh, apply in that respect as well. And uh, definitely, I know Brother Alstrom, he's not in here this morning. He owns a business, and so um, he would be the boss uh, he's his own boss. That'd be a blessing. Well, I got so many bosses where I work, you know. So you think after you've been in for a while and you get some stripes, but there's oh, there's so many people in the chain that it's like oh, and then you deal with those officers. They're such a blessing, and uh, <clears throat> so they're a blessing. They're leading and guiding and, and giving us a vision and, and mission uh, to fulfill. What a blessing. But this morning, we're talking masters, give unto your servants. So in, in last week, we talked masters, maybe the employer, and, and servants, the employee. And it says, give to them that which is just and equal. And this is an interesting thought here, and, and really a bombshell in, in the day that this was written. Right? Because it, when it was written, it, they were talking about uh, servants that had no rights at all, really. And um, uh, the masters had no responsibilities to them. And so, but again, in modern application, a Christian employer is to treat employees in a just and fair manner. Uh, just and fair. Uh, a fair day's pay and benefits for a day's work. You know, it, it, everyone wants to get paid fairly, uh, but an employer should desire to pay fairly. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, I don't know if that made sense or not. Uh, God requires... All employees to be treated with dignity and respect. Um, I know some people that's that's contrary, right? I'm the boss. You do what I say, and and uh, I'm in charge here, and and we're just going to do it my way. 
Um, but each one should be treated as a valued person. And uh, this is often a difficult thing. We are to give the same honor and concern to the most unskilled employees as to the highest levels of management. Um, I serve in the Air Force, and, and uh, that's not always the case. You know, sometimes uh, the airman's time is not as valuable as the colonel's time. And the way that someone treats a subordinate is very much different oftentimes than the way they would treat a superior. And sure, there are roles and there are different levels of responsibility and expectations and, and people that have authority to give orders and people that ought to be taking those orders. But that does not mean that we can treat anybody without respect. And, and that we should treat them as less of a person. Uh, but oftentimes we see that in, in the work environment in today. And uh, that ought not be the case for Christians. Uh, we ought to be treating our boss uh, and our boss as, as a Christian boss. We ought to be treating our employees uh, well. Um, and I would even submit to you, if you can't afford to pay them, then let them go find a job that will pay them what they're worth. Um, you know what I mean? And so uh, we ought to be treating folks the way that we want to be treated. As you, Matthew 7, 12, uh, you know, we treat others, people call it the golden rule, right? Uh, James 2, 9 says this, but if ye have respect to, to persons, ye commit sin. That's pretty black and white, right? If, if you're showing respect to someone over another, that's sin. And uh, which uh, I, I would trust you as a Christian would not want that to be so in your life, right? That sin would grieve you and, and uh, hinder you. Um, <clears throat> and it goes on, it says, that are convinced of the law as transgressors. Uh, listen, that doesn't mean everybody's paid the same, right? That, that's not what that means. It doesn't mean everything's equal and fair, and, uh, but everyone is treated with the same dignity and respect, regardless of their position. Employers or bosses uh, really should be kind and and uh, uh, generous to their employees. And uh, listen, the reason God gives this admonishment to their employees is that they have a master in heaven, right? And it says, uh, look at the latter part of verse four or verse one there. It says, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Don't forget that you have a boss too. Uh, no matter how high you get up in the, in the management level or in the leadership level or in the ranks, if you will, don't forget that there's a God in heaven and, and you have a master there. And a, one day all employers will give an account to God for the way that they have treated their employees. Uh, we'll all give an account. If we have the responsibility over other people, make sure that you treat them justly and fairly. Because one day you will give an account for how you treated them. And uh, <clears throat> the word here, master, and uh, we're going to move quickly to our next, but I want to Spend a, a, just a moment here. It means Lord or boss. Uh, these words in Colossians are not Paul's words. Uh, these words are inspired from the Lord Himself. And I want to remind you of Luke four or six and verse forty-six, and it says, "Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say?" So, as employees and as employers, we never should forget that we have a master, but listen, oftentimes we're good at about saying the right thing. Well, we're good about saying, Lord, you know, you're my master, and, and you, it says, why call ye me Lord, Lord? And then it says, and do not the things that I say. And so 
This morning, I don't know if you're an employee and I don't know if you're an employer, but are you doing those things that God says in this area? Are you being the proper employee that you ought to be? And given a fair day's labor for that pay? Are you being the proper employer and paying that which is just and right for that labor? Uh, Calling Jesus Lord but not doing what he says concerning your workplace is nothing but hypocrisy. I don't care if you're the boss or or the subordinate. Uh, If you claim Christ, then you ought to be claiming Christ in your workplace. And you're not living like it, you're a hypocrite. If you're not treating your boss the way he ought to be treated, or she, or your employee or subordinate, as it were, uh, you're a hypocrite. Listen, being a great witness at work, which, by the way, is typically our greatest mission field, requires working the way that God has established it. Obeying His Word, remembering your labor is for Him, right? And and that one day you will give an account for how you treat people. Don't claim the name of Christ and then live hypocritically by saying I'm a Christian but being lazy at work or saying I'm a Christian and being a harsh, unfair uh, boss. We need to be careful. Uh, We can make a dramatic impact in our communities. I'm convinced of this if we would conduct ourselves as the Word of God teaches us to do at work. If the lost world around us in our workplace saw that as we claimed Christ, we lived what the Word of God says, they would see something different in us and it would cause them to ask the question, what do they have that I don't? I believe we can make a difference, a dramatic difference. Uh, we may not win other, or all of our coworkers to Christ, but if we follow these principles, uh, they will know that we serve the Lord God if nothing else. And so this morning I I, I ask you, how are you doing at work? How are you doing? How's your attitude? Uh, How are you treating folks, your coworkers and your boss and and your subordinates? And now let's move on to verse 2. Continue in prayer, watch in the same with thanksgiving. And so we're going to talk about our communication this morning. Our communication with God and our communication with others. And uh, how we communicate with God and others clearly reveals if we are pleasing God in our walk. How you treat people is a good indicator of where your heart's at. And uh, one true character, uh, our true character shows up privately in how we talk to God and publicly in how we talk to people. How's your prayer life? Uh, How are you communing with God and, and how are you talking to folks around, maybe in the workplace? Uh, Jesus reveals this fact in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And that word abundance there has the idea of a surplus uh, and and really the, the leftovers and more than necessary, if you will. And so if you bump a full cup of coffee, what spills out? Coffee. Right? Uh, if it's a cup of coffee, it's coffee. Now, I'm not talking about those coffees that you guys put all that foo-foo stuff in there and creamers and sugar. I'm, not, I'm talking about black, manly coffee. You know what I mean? So it's funny because I had creamer in my coffee this morning. I usually don't. But, uh, but if you bump that thing, coffee spills out, right? Uh, in the same way, through the bumps of life, what is in your heart spills out through your mouth. When you face certain circumstances... You kind of get a bump and 
What do you say? Is that pleasing to God? And improving our relationship with God and others greatly depends on how we talk with them, how we treat them, how we're communing with God. Are we, in, are we even praying? Right? Do you even pray? Do you commune with God? I mean, that's a good thing. That, just that one thing alone, if you begin doing that, you're going to treat people better, I guarantee it. It's impossible to get closer to God and not treat people better and, and treat people how uh, they, they ought to be treated, I guess you could say. And so to improve communication with God, pray persistently. Paul puts it like this, continue in prayer. Uh, continue in it. Don't give up. Keep doing it. Jesus expresses this principle in Luke eleven nine, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And I didn't come up with this, but I thought it was interesting. Look at the verbs uh, in this verse. Ask, seek, knock. The first letter of each word makes the acrostic ask. I never noticed that before. But A-S-K. That's pretty interesting. These verbs, they're, they're present tense. So really, we could be saying, keep on asking, Keep on seeking, keep on knocking, continue in prayer. Uh, pray persistently. Do you pray persistently? Listen, I've been guilty of wanting God to do something and not praying enough about it. Uh, and you can blame that on any host of things, whether I'm too busy or, or I say that I'm too busy or there's other distractions going on. But the reality is sometimes we want God to do a work, but we're not willing to put in the time to pray enough about that issue. We want God to change something. We want God to answer this request and, and meet this need, but we're not persistent. And, and maybe we get a lax in our, in our prayer, and we ought to pray persistently. Pray watchfully. It says watch in the same. Uh, it means to keep our eyes and ears open for things you should pray about so you can pray often. Are you looking for things to pray for? Are you watching and anticipating and looking. And, and as you see people that have situations or, or they come to your mind, uh, you can immediately pray a brief prayer. Paul prayed that way. Philippians 1.3 says this, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Well, you just, hey, oh, I just thought of Jenny Byers because I saw her face. I'm going to pray for her. Right? Are you praying uh, watchfully? You may not always be able to pray aloud, Right? I know at work, in the middle of those long meetings that I don't care to attend, right? Sometimes I pray. But I do not vocalize that audibly in the room, right? But I can still pray. They can't stop me from praying, right? I pray, Lord, please finish this meeting. That kind of stuff. No, but, but seriously, oftentimes I do. I've prayed for my coworkers there and, and prayed that God would bless them and, and pray that God would give me the opportunity to share Christ with them. Uh, we ought to be watchful and looking for opportunities to pray. As we see people in the situations that they face, it can be silent, it can be brief. Listen, those prayers in the morning and those prayers in the evening, I know this is a Sunday school crowd. You guys probably have an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening, right? Bare minimum, that's, it. that's the minimum for this group, right? Two hours a day? Yeah? Well, I don't, you guys aren't very convincing. But, but listen, those things are great. But listen, to improve your relationship with God, you can just have short, frequent prayers throughout the day. That's what a relationship is. 
this technology that we have today is, is amazing. I can bug Cindy at work with text messages. She gets them on her watch because she has her, she try, she has the watch to track Carter's blood glucose levels, but it's really just so she can check my texts at work. <laughs> but, uh, um, but listen, we, I have a relationship with my wife because we communicate and, and we enjoy doing that. And uh, I'll tell you what, people said this, I didn't know that love could get better as you aged. When you get married, you don't understand all that. It's like you're just happy to be around them, you know, and you, oh, it it just seems so good. But listen, that relationship as you fellowship and as you talk and you communicate with one another gets deeper and more meaningful. And you can have that with your Lord. Uh, You can, don't just try to do it in the morning or at night because you're, you're feeling guilty that, oh, Christians should pray, so I need to spend some time in prayer. Commune with your God throughout the day. Uh, be watchful in it. And listen, pray thankfully. It says with thanksgiving, always include thanksgiving in your prayers. Always. Uh, we often pray only about problems and needs. We can be guilty of that. I, I guarantee you there's not a person in this room that hasn't been guilty of that. I can say that with good confidence because I've experienced it in my own life. And I'm human and so are you. So, But listen, this morning, we, we need to be careful to always remember to give God thanks uh, for something every day. Um, Philippians 4.6 teaches us not to worry about anything but to pray with thanksgiving. Well, we, we quote this verse a lot. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Look what it says, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. You should never go to God without a thankful heart. It says, with thanksgiving, you approach the throne. Uh, With thanksgiving and and being thankful, every time you pray, thank God for at least one thing. And make it not the same thing every time. You pick it up what I'm putting down? Uh, Demonstrate your thankfulness to God by, by sharing something that you're thankful for. Nothing will improve your life and really your attitude about life as much as including thanksgiving in your prayers. It will really help you. We can get down. We get the poochy lip. Oh, life's so bad. There's COVID and our government's terrible. Listen, God's been so good to us. And, and, and I'll t- Christians throughout biblical history lived under a much more oppressive government than we ever thought of in America. And they flourished. Maybe it's possible we need a little more government control and it might drive us to our God. Listen, we get this idea that this Christian life is going to be easy and simple and that's not at all the case for these Christians that we read about in the Word of God. There was tribulations, there was trials, there were shipwrecks, there were beatings, stonings. And they were thankful to their God for how He was allowing them to minister and to work in in their lives. And so listen this morning, you ought to be thankful to God for all the myriad. We could go around this room and waste the entire, not waste the day, it would be productive, I guess, but that was kind of counterproductive to say that. But anyway, but here we are and and go around this room and we could take the entire day and not name all the things that we could be thankful for. Even if every chair in this room was filled, we could do the same thing. It would take days when you begin to really think about what we could be thankful for. And, and are you expressing that to God? Uh, the latter part of James chapter 4, verse 2 says, 
Yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Pray specifically is the next one. Ye have not, because ye ask not. Paul here has a specific prayer request. Look at verse 3. With all praying also for us, that God would open us or unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. And a common problem in prayers, we are too general. You know, we've all, we've all been guilty of it. Lord, bless so-and-so. Just bless them. Have you ever thought, if God ever asks, in what way? How do you want me to bless them? Financially? Physically? Mentally? Maybe we need the mental adjustment or blessing. But, but listen, have you ever thought about that? We just, we're just too general oftentimes. Sometimes we have to be. We had the prayer request this morning. We don't have a lot of specifics. Uh, but when we can, we should be more specific. The Apostle Paul here prays, say, or he has this prayer request saying, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Have you prayed that? That God would give you a door, a door that you could utter the gospel, that you could share Christ with your coworkers, that you could share Christ with your boss. Uh, have you asked God for those things? And we need to be careful that we're not too general in our prayers. Listen, we may pray, Lord, please be with so-and-so. You ever prayed that? Oh, God, be with them. Uh, are we implying that God deserted them? What do, you, what do we mean by that? Uh, praying this way is like walking into a restaurant and telling the waitress, I'll take some food. What do you think they're going to ask you? Uh, can you be a little more specific? So Cindy and I, we like Black Hills Blends coffee. Uh, Cindy probably more than me. Um, <clears throat> and so oftentimes we'll pull up there and they'll greet you, say good morning. What do you have? I'll say coffee. And they'll look, give, look at me like, no dust, stupid. You know, what kind of coffee? We need a little more information to give you what you want. Listen, we need to try to hone in on some things uh, and pray specifically for God to do a work. Uh, ask God to bless uh, in specific ways. And, and uh, I won't take the time to use a bunch of examples, but, but listen, do you pray specifically? In, in this example, I can't help but go back to it. With all praying also for us, he's saying, please pray for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. Have you prayed that the people of our church would be able to share the gospel in Rapid City? Have you asked God specifically to say, let me, Justin DeGarmo, insert your name, allow me an opportunity to utter the gospel, the mystery of Christ, to share Christ with those around me. God, can you give me that opportunity? Or are you just going about your day? Lord, just bless. Give me a good day, Lord. Is this Christian life real or not? Do you want God to use you? Or, or do you just want the superficial aspect of God's blessing around you. Uh, I trust that your desire is that God would bless our church and he would give us a door of utterance to reach the people of Rapid City. Uh, and lastly here, uh, pray corporate, cooperatively. Cooperatively. Never ask God to do something if you are not willing to cooperate by doing your part. Sometimes we want God to do something. We say that, but we won't do our part. Verse 4, look what it says, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. 
He says, pray that I can have an opportunity. And look in this verse, there's twice he uses that pronoun I. And it's just this short verse here. Because he knows effective prayer requires doing his part. They can pray and they can pray and they can pray, but if he never steps out to do his part that God's called him to do, it's for naught. And so you got to pray in uh, uh, action has to take place as well. Someone once said this, when a farmer prays for a good crop, God expects him to say amen with a hoe in hand. He's got to do the work. That ground's got to be worked. It's got to be tilled. The, the, the seed must be planted and, and those things need to be, I don't know anything about farming, but I imagine there's some care to take over that crop throughout the year as it grows in those things. And, and so, listen, we have to do our part. We can't just pray, God, give us an opportunity, and then that opportunity comes and the Holy Spirit speaks and we remain silent. We have to do our part. And, and uh, the Apostle Paul was willing to do that. He's begging the brethren to pray for me that I have an opportunity and then I'm going to speak as I ought to speak, he says. And so this morning, how's your communication with God? How's your prayer life, I guess is another way to say it. And then number two this morning, we'll go quickly, improving communication with people. Mm, the fun stuff, right? We should always be improving relationships with unbelievers, and believers for that matter. Always improving our relationships with them. Uh, Paul writes this in verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And wisdom includes knowing how to communicate productively. Boy, we can communicate, but is it productive? Uh, that's a challenge in the military sometimes. Sometimes it's, I feel like I'm talking in a circle. But anyway, maybe it's me. If we are to be all that God wants us to be, God requires us uh, to have a good testimony, really. And pastors are kind of the model of this. And we see this in uh, 1 Timothy 3, 7. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And so what a, what a great example uh, as the shepherd or as the pastor uh, that we see as the models of this. But I think it's applicable in every one of our lives as Christians to have a good report with those people that we're around. And Paul knew that the people who are without are unbelievers who will never physically read the gospel. They'll never read the gospel. The only gospel they will ever read is your life. Your life. Many folks, this is the case. And I found this old poem that expresses this truth. Here it is. You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds you do and the words you say. Men read what you write, whether false or true, just what is the gospel according to you? How is your relationship with the people that you come in contact with? And the picture of Christ, is it even there? Does it exist? And, and is it the right picture of Christ in your life? The gospel uh, according to you. Uh, to win those that are without or to win outsiders, believers... Uh, <clears throat> must be well thought of outside the church. Um, it's an interesting thought. Um, God wants us to have a good reputation among unbelievers. That doesn't mean they're going to agree with us. That doesn't mean uh, everything's going to be hunky-dory all the time. But at the end of the day, they know that our testimony is upright 
and that we're walking in a way that pleases God and honors Him and that we are living a life that is right, a righteous life. <clears throat> we can uh, improve relationship with others, redeeming the time. The idea here is uh, to make the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. Uh, somebody once said, I make enemies rather than friends because it's less trouble. That can be true sometimes, right? Uh, but for believers, we are to make the best use of our time to influence others for Christ. We've got to be redeeming the time and, and being a positive influence. Uh, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. We will not win people to Christ by beating them over the head with the Bible. It's never worked. I've hung around people that tried that kind of technique. It's ineffective. Uh, we will not win them by telling them to turn or burn, die and fry. Listen, we will win them by being well thought of and wise and lovingly sharing the gospel with them. I've been around people that you, some people are laughing this morning. I've heard people say that, street preaching. I don't see Christ ever doing that to reach the lost, not one time. He dealt harshly with the Pharisees but not the, the loss that were uh, seeking uh, him. <clears throat> Paul writes, another way to improve our, our communication with others, let your speech be always with grace. Notice that word always. We are to be gracious whether we're talking to believers or non-believers. Always, all the time. Regardless of the circumstances. There's no reason not to do this. In other words... Uh, we don't have a time when it's okay to do the contrary. It's always with grace. And that could be a challenge at times. <clears throat> and so, here it refers to God's refining grace. As we follow God, to, uh, or excuse me, as we allow God to transform us into the people He wants us to be, our speech becomes more and more pleasant. It becomes more kind, more friendly. Gracious speaking makes the ones spoken to feel important, valued, and loved. Have you ever talked to somebody that you could just tell that they cared? There was a sincerity in the discussion you had? Um, I had a commander while I was deployed this last time, and, and he was that way. It, this man wasn't even a Christian, but the way that he genuinely showed interest into me when he spoke to me was amazing. And he was busy. He was a very busy man. The, the, that deployment was like 100 miles an hour all day, every day. And so, um, and that was for me, and I can only imagine being the commander how much more demanding it would have been. And so, but every time I spoke with him, he, I, it was always like I was the only person there, and you could tell he was genuinely cared. And I left uh, a little bit early so we could go see Cindy's mom, and he gave, he's, he's the first commander ever in 19 and a half years of service that personally wrote me a card saying, thank you for your service and what you brought to our unit into this mission here. First time ever. And it's because he genuinely cared. And, and listen, uh, that was a lost man as far as I know. How much more so should that be in our lives as Christians? I've never written a subordinate in a note. said, I appreciate you. That was a challenge to my heart. Uh, listen, uh, we could do better in communicating and, and creating opportunities for that utterance. Maybe it's because of our harsh speech and those things we're unable to witness because we've been a jerk. 
right? We need to be careful about that. It's seasoned with salt in Paul's day. Salt had at least two basic purposes, right? And, and I'm sure you guys have heard this. It was a preservative and prevented those things from rottening and decaying. Listen, as Christians, our speech should prevent conversations from turning foul and unwholesome. Simple as that, right? And it's a preservative. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Ephesians 4.29 and salt was used uh, to season food. And, and uh, <clears throat> listen, sometimes we just need to make some thirsty for the truth because of the way that we conduct ourselves and the way that we talk. And uh, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I believe this speaks to kind of what the commander was dealing with me and being sensitive to the needs of each individual and being able to Answer those things and, and help deal with those things. And, and Proverbs 25, 11 says this, uh, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Uh, the right words at the right time are invaluable. They're invaluable. And uh, listen, we got to be communing with God and He will allow us, He'll give us those words so that we can be a blessing to others. And uh, <clears throat> having the right words at the right time depends on your relationship with God. And are you communing with God or not? Uh, improving your relationship with God automatically improves your relationships with other people. Uh, and I believe that's because God's love will flow through you. Uh, Romans 5.5, 5, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad. Uh, it's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given you. And, and the idea there uh, is to pour forth and to bestow or to gush out. I like that one, to gush out. And, and uh, it's shed abroad. And so when we have the love of God in us, it just overflows into our communication with other people. And we can have a positive impact in their life. Listen this morning, start improving your relationship with God today and see how He helps you with your relationship with others. It can only help. Uh, we may find that if we are closer to God, we can make a greater impact in the lives of those around us, whether they're lost or believers. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just burn it in our hearts. Lord, help us to live it, apply it to our lives, and Lord, that you would do a work in our midst. And Father, we pray for your blessing on the service to follow, that you would have your will and way in each and every heart. In Jesus' name, amen.